I actually have two degrees in English literature, and I actually think that there are a lot of commonalities between approaching that discipline um, and what I do right now as a, as a product um, professional or a product strategist. You are listening to Inside Skookum, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of a growing tech company. Today, Brad Schmidt and I are sitting down with senior product strategist at Skookum, Christy Breck. We're going to talk to Christy about all the things that she likes to nerd out on, which include Olympic weightlifting, letterpress, and also just talking about her love of the outdoors and how she and her husband ended up making the decision to travel cross-country from New York and transplant out in Denver. Christy is full of surprises, and we had a great time getting to know her, and we think you will too. So without any further ado, let's get to know Christy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Inside Skookum. We are sitting down with Christy Brecht. Christy is in our Denver office, so you may notice uh, the sound may look may sound a little bit different than usual uh, because, again, uh, we are sitting in one of the most... A glass and concrete room. Yeah, that is terrible the- <laughs> for sound quality. <laughs> <laughs> but we're making it work. And uh, But we're out in Denver talking to Christy. And Christy, one of the questions we always ask everybody when we get here is, uh, for the folks who don't know you or haven't met you yet, what do you do here at Skookum? So I'm a product strategist here at Skookum. So I'm working with um, clients and our internal team in order to understand um, their needs for the project and help deliver um, business solutions um, that are creative and useful. I'm always curious to find out when people uh, get into Skookum how they did it. And I'm always surprised. It seems like we we have a lot of folks who took a non-traditional approach to get into the tech world. What's your background? Like, did you go to school for, uh, for anything tech related? Um, I actually have two degrees in English literature. So um, I did my undergrad and I did a master's in English lit, um, both in Philly and uh, What's New York. in Philly? Uh, University of Pennsylvania. Oh, and okay. Then Columbia. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice. so, so what's, you know, what's funny is that um, I'm, I went to Penn State. And uh, in the South, a lot of times when I tell people I went to Penn State, they get it confused with with Penn. And I'm totally yep. fine with that. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, you think I'm like Ivy League? Great. We'll roll with that. I think that's part of the reason I may have gotten hired. They're like, oh, this guy's Ivy League. It's a common misconception yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I'm, we're totally fine with it at Penn State. Yeah. Like we're, we're just great with it. So, yeah. Yeah. I think we're OK with it, too. <laughs> Um, but uh, so I, I was doing English Lit, um, and I actually think that there are a lot of commonalities between approaching that discipline um, and what I do right now as a, as a product um, professional or a product strategist. There's a lot of emphasis on um, really diagnosing a problem and doing a lot of critical thinking and research and data gathering and proposing an argument or a solution. Um, so all of those things are themes that I carry through uh, my entire career till now. Um, but how I got into tech actually is a little bit, um, you know, more securitous than that. So, um, I, from school, um, I went into marketing and media and did a lot of digital, um, project management, um, and then started uh, a career in product management from there, um, in several startups, um, doing a lot of big projects for them. So, um, building platforms from scratch, doing a lot of vision setting with stakeholders, um, working with designers 
designers and UX teams and creating things like journey maps and doing user interviews and really got my hand doing that um, over and over again uh, for a variety of startups in New York. Um, and that variety um, and that sort of like intense, um, you know, project focus is really what drew me to Skookum. Um, and uh, the variety of the, the clients and the projects here, I think, is really great. So you're in you're in Denver now, but you're not from Denver originally, right? That's right. So where are you from? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Hey, there we go. So we have we actually have a surprising number of people who either are from or used to live in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Um, Bunch of Yenzers working at Skookum. Yeah. You know? Um, no one else has a clue what that means. <laughs> if, you're from, if you know, <laughs> if you're you from know. Anywhere else, you're like, what? What did he say? Yeah. The, so we say Yens in Pittsburgh instead of y'all. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, or no, people do. I, I, I really did. The, but the thing is, is like y'all actually makes sense. No, y'all is, Yins, is more appropriate. I've yet to hear an explanation of what that even means. Like, you, means, do you know? Like, yeah, yeah like what's it the, means? Y'all or you guys? No, yeah. no, no. I know what I know what you're replacing it for. But y'all is an abbreviation of you all. Yins. It's, it's just a made-up word for <laughs> like it's a, you ins you you ins other you ins other people. Yeah, it's just a it's just a made-up word. That's, I'm always fascinated by. So, that. where in Pittsburgh did you grow up? Um, I grew up in the North Hills in Franklin Park. Hey, I was in Wexford, so just close by. Yes, yes, maybe maybe <laughs> a one-minute drive. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. You went to Penn after after growing up in Pittsburgh. That's right. Mm-hmm. Sweet, and then. Where did you go? Where did you say you went in in New York? Uh, uh, Columbia. Okay, cool. Uh, we ask everybody this question when they come on the show. Uh, what everybody is a nerd about something or some things. So non work related. What would you say you nerd out about, or that you just really get nerdy over when people bring it up, or you get to participate in it? Like, what's your thing? So I'm pretty obsessed with Olympic weightlifting. Um, okay. Wait, <laughs> no. What? So how did like how did that come about? So I started um, in CrossFit uh, a bunch of years ago at this point, maybe like seven or eight years ago. Okay, so right in the beginning stages of when CrossFit started kind yeah. of becoming like cool. yeah, is it? Yeah. More it's, it's CrossFit, <laughs> yeah, CrossFit had a good like decade where you were just looked at as like, you, you're just, you might as well be wearing a tinfoil hat, right? right? right. And, then, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, you're kind of weird if you're not doing it. So there's a weird... There was a weird bubble there it's for a while. Definitely. Yeah. You're definitely in a garage picking up like cinder blocks and stuff. And now like the gyms are really fancy and you yeah. have a lot of really nice equipment. Um, but that was sort of the gateway drug for me. Um, I started doing snatches and clean and jerks there and I got really into it. Um, and the gym I was going to in Brooklyn had a really good barbell club. So I knew all the coaches and they're like, you should try this out. And um, it was awesome. It's it, it was really great. And I I competed for a couple of years um, at USAW sanctioned meets, um, which was a lot of fun. Um, now I no longer do that. I just do it for fun. But um, like it's to the point where like I follow um, a ton of weightlifters on like Instagram yeah. and I watch all like the live stream meets that are like sort of like the national, like the global stuff. Like I definitely have my favorite weightlifters and, and I think when it's done well, it's very beautiful. Yeah. I'm always fascinated um, when you watch people who are really good at that and just the how seamless they're and effortless the motion seems even though they're moving incredible amounts of weight what what was your favorite lift when you were doing uh well you still are but what what's what is your favorite lift 
Um, it's my favorite and my least favorite at the same time, and that's the snatch. Yeah. Because it is so incredibly technical. Um, you can be diagnosing your technique, like, just infinitely. Like, you're, you're never going to be perfect. Um, but that said, like, when you, like, hit a lift right and, like, you, like, catch it and, like, you, like, feel really solid and strong, like, that's, like, the best feeling. So what was your PR with the snatch? Um, that was, uh, 47 kilos, which is, um, like a little over like a hundred, like 105 pounds. Yeah. That's awesome. Cause how, cause I don't know if I can ask this. How much do you weigh? Um, I am hovering around like the 60 kilo mark. It's like getting cold in Denver. So, you know, we're, we're bulking up for the winter. <laughs> <laughs> but that's crazy. Cause that's, so, uh, what's that end up being as far as percentage of your weight that you're doing a snatch movement with? Oh, I mean, that's, that's, that's some, high up there. Yeah. yeah. That's a decent number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause, um, that is, are you familiar with which one the snatch is? I did CrossFit for about three months and, uh, hurt my knee and, uh, and yeah, never, never went back. You know, I was trying to, I was trying to, you know, prove myself on the box jumps and we did, you know, I'm sure a few hundred <laughs> box jumps in you know, 10 minutes or whatever the heck they tell you to do. I've always, I have and, found uh, that was, that was it for me. I always, I, I've learned very quickly when you walk in to do CrossFit and you see the workout posted, it's always the ones that seem like they should be super easy that you need to be the most terrified of. Yeah. You know, you'd see someone be like, oh, that shouldn't take more than 10 minutes to do. That's like, are we going to do two workouts? Mm-hmm. And that's always the one that I'm ready to vomit my brains right. out with at the end of it. The deceptive ones are, are the worst. Yeah. Olympic weightlifting, which, um, again, I would have not pegged that. What what other thing? Do you have any other interesting hobbies or interests that just kind of captivate you? Well, there was a time uh, when I was really into like the craft of letterpress um, and I. Oh, and real quick, for the folks who don't know what that is. Explain, like me. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like Brad specifically. <laughs> what uh, Describe what letterpress is for. So it's a way of uh, printing on paper where you are kind of like indenting um, the the shapes onto the paper. So you have this kind of texture um, and there's, there's ink obviously in the shapes and you get to make fun designs and you get to work with sort of like nice, nice, what do you call it? Weight of paper. And Which is like very common for wedding Im- invitations, right? right? And what, like anything around weddings, I would assume. Right. Yeah. yeah. But okay. it's like, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, it's not, it's kind of a disappearing art form just because the like the equipment is not something you can just go out and buy right right they don't make this these these pieces of equipment anymore am i right that's right yeah i mean if you uh know a studio that has and there's different ways that you can letterpress so like there's a a vander cook machine is pretty much like the the machine that you typically will use because they're the most prevalent um and it's relatively like mechanized like you can get through it's a slow process like the whole thing is a slow process but this is a faster process than other slow processes if you're using other machines. Um, but if you have studio access and can pay for that, like that's great. Um, you know, if you know someone, that's also great. Um, I happen to actually uh, work for a startup who uh, had a CEO um, that, that was just very eccentric and he had this like huge library with like one of like the first Gutenberg Bibles and like no an original kidding. copy of like the Canterbury Tales. And Holy then he also crap. had a letterpress no machine because <laughs> Because he's just an eccentric, uh, very wealthy man. Um, so actually, speaking of weddings, um, I designed my own letterpress um, 
program and uh, uh and that was a cool process too like using um uh, illustrator and then like sending that off and getting polymer plates and then he let me use his Vandercook machine in order to actually do the printing oh, wow. um, which is another thing in itself because like, like there's an art to use the machine yeah. as well to get like the right coverage of ink and the right alignment um etc so, yeah it's not like create the digital file and have it sent off to be printed this is like you have to get everything in order and then you're like arranging things by hand when it right. comes to the actual printing process. Mm-hmm. So, so was this like a, this turned into a side business for you or is that what you were doing? I'm not that good at it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a really fun exercise. Okay. Um, and leading up to that, I took like a, a couple of workshops in a studio in Williamsburg where I was living at the time, um, which was just a fun way to like play around and sort of. Uh, see what you can do. And this was Williamsburg in Virginia? Oh, no, in uh, Brooklyn. Okay. So you you were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but you've kind of you've bounced all around a decent amount as far as where you've lived. Where all have mm-hmm. you where all have you called home at one point or another? Yeah, so I grew up in Pittsburgh. Um, I spent like the first seventeen years of my life there. Is your family still there? They are. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Still in the same house. My bedroom is still the same. <laughs> with Altoids advertisements all over the walls. That, that I thought was very cool in the nineties. Um, and then I moved to Philadelphia to go to college, spent a few years um, in Philly uh, afterwards um, doing some post back stuff to prepare for graduate school in New York. And then I spent about 14 years in New York. Uh, you lived in London for a while, too, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, I spent my junior year in college in London, which yeah. was very cool. So where um, what was was that just part of a, a education program or was it just you just wanted to go to London? How did that come about? I mean, both. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was doing I was uh, studying at a university there, uh, King's College London on the Strand. Um, so in the heart of London, which is like a really cool experience for a college person. Um, and I was studying primarily English lit, um, but Penn also had a really good relationship with um, like the theater department over at the Guardian. So one of like the leading theater critics um, accompanied us to like a show every Wednesday. And then we spent Thursday uh, over a couple of hours like talking about the, the show that we saw and uh, critiquing it and, um, you know, sort of geeking out um, and like the theater side of things. The folks who around here that you've had a chance to work side by side with for a little bit, any other any other tidbits about your your story that people would just be like, wow, I would not have guessed. Oh, um, I happen to know a lot about facilities management because I worked at a couple of startups that were focused um, on that. Um, and most people don't really know what facilities management is. So, for example, if you're a Walmart and let's say you have like 2,000 Walmart stores across the nation um, and you want to open your new location in Delaware, um, there is software that helps you track and manage the build out um, and the maintenance of all the assets within your location. Huh. Um, and then if you happen to be in certain uh, jurisdictions, um, you're subject to like local laws and regulations on those assets and on that location. And those laws and regulations obviously change per municipality. Um, so I've worked on applications that write um, all the rules around how those laws are applied um, and how all of those assets and locations locations are managed. Um, 
which is a very niche area. Of yeah. Gold. Yeah. That's something you like, you would never think <laughs> yeah. of, but you're like, oh yeah, that's probably a pretty intense platform, software platform. Right. right yeah. yeah. And, and, um, very like widely used. Now, every time I go into a, a Whole Foods that's opening up, um, I like look around and I'm like, well, so your lighting is man, you use that contractor to take care of that. And you know, you handle oh, well, so the, you can tell, the like, cold bar. And the, yeah. Yeah. Depending on where you are. Yeah. Sometimes no you get, yeah. So these national contractors are very, um, you know, well, uh, they have very good relationships with national contractors. You're a Steelers fan. I am. Um, but I, I, I love to participate in watching the game. I don't know too much about the details of it. <laughs> <laughs> Just know when to cheer and when right, to exactly. cheer. Exactly. When yeah. they do well, I'm very happy. Yeah. So are you, are you a fan of all Pittsburgh sports or are there some that you're just like, ah, watch this. I don't really care about this. Oh, of course. I mean, you have to, if you're from Pittsburgh, Yeah, that's just like, that's a rule. Yeah, the um, the the thing that I always love talking to people about when they go to visit is the is Primanti Brothers. <gasps> yes. So if you're not from Pittsburgh, Primanti Brothers is a pretty well, probably probably the most well known uh, like must have food when you visit it. Yeah. Right. So it's the whole thing is that you have it's just white bread with whatever meat, whatever sandwich you choose, with French fries and coleslaw on top of. The sandwich. And so, but now they've, they've started franchising. Like, so when you go up, you know, they're all over the place. Right. But there's, but it, I always find it interesting when you ask you like, Hey, do you have permanis? And there's only like, in my opinion, there's two places that count as like a real permanent. You got the strip district and you mm-hmm. got, and you got the South end or South side. Right. And, and you can tell if you're in the right one, because if you walk in and there's, you know, it just seems like a place that somebody's cooking your sandwich with a cigarette dangling out of their mouth and you might have some ash falling into, you know, into the bread, you know, that's, then, you know, you're in the right place. You know, if you walk into something that seems like it just was built in the last like 10 minutes and everything's nice and polished, you're like, I don't know if this is really the, the, the authentic experience for you. Absolutely. But I don't think you're going to find a prettier city. At night, when you come through those tunnels, everything's lit up. That's hard to beat. Oh, yeah. Or going on the top of Mount Washington and seeing the skyline and the rivers come together. Yeah. That cannot be beat. Yeah. I do miss miss Pittsburgh. So you go back for holidays and things like that? Um, Well, since I moved to Denver, I've been trying to get my parents to come this way. Mm. Um, And go skiing? Oh, they don't, they don't ski, okay. <laughs> but participate in the, in like the, uh, winter, winterness of Colorado. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely, definitely way cooler out here during the, uh, during the winter months. Yeah. How, so how did you end up in Colorado? I was living in a very tiny one bedroom in Williamsburg in uh, New York. And um, uh, my husband and I actually uh, really do love to ski um, and snowboard. We, we were snowboarders together for a number of years. And um, we were thinking that we wanted to, you know, do that more and have a different experience. And, you know, uh, there were aspects of New York that were starting to grade on us, you know, like the subways always being, um, you know, impossible to come on time and be clean and not totally uh, full of people. Um, And uh, we thought it was a good time to, yeah, have a different experience. And how long have you been out here now? About a year and a half. Okay. I love coming out here just because it's drastically different from most, I mean, any place out east just because of the weather and then the fact that like being outside is pretty much a way of life. Mm-hmm. here versus a lot of other places where it's like, yeah, if I have time, maybe I'll get outside sometime this month. 
Absolutely. Yeah. For a while, it was really difficult for me to make plans with people on the weekends because everybody's in the mountains on the weekends. Yeah, it's just a different culture. Yeah. So how did, um, how long have you been married? Uh, um, Quick. six years. Got to know. Got to know. So, and how did, how, how did you and your husband meet? We met um, through a mutual friend of ours. Um, so this mutual friend um, grew up, my husband is from outside of New York, up in Westchester. So they grew up together up in Westchester. And then I met him because he and I went to grad school together. Um, so uh, this mutual friend and I were roommates down in Park Slope, which is a neighborhood in Brooklyn. And we were hanging out one night in like the Lower East Side. And we actually happened to bump into who is now my husband. Um, and we were friends for a few years. Then we started dating. And then it kind of went from there. Just snowballed. Was So this wasn't like a love at first sight, like this guy. This is my guy when you first met him. I knew there was something special about him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it took us a few years to actually lock it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who's, who initiated this? Did you initiate it or did he initiate it? I think it was a little bit of both of us. Yeah? Yeah. All right. I always like hearing how all that came about. You guys got you got married in New York then, right? No, we got married in Pittsburgh, um, oh. in Heinz Chapel on the University of Pittsburgh's campus. No hey, kidding. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a tough one to that's a tough spot to get uh, to lock down a wedding in anymore. I know it really was like you have to like call on certain days um, and. Uh, like the spots fill up um, like instantly when you call and they're calling like to book, you know, months in advance. Yeah. Um, so it was quite a, it was quite a process and we were lucky enough to get it. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, did you do any of the letterpress stuff for your own wedding or? I did. Um, I made our program um, and that was um, that was more than enough effort. And then <laughs> yeah. and then we went and hired a professional to do like the invitations. Yeah. So how long I meant to ask you that. How long did it take you? Would you say start to finish to do the programs? Um, so the design of it didn't take too, too long because I wanted to do a design that was simple enough to execute. So I kind of uh, was scoping that up front um, and um, using like Illustrator wasn't too much of like a learning curve for me. Um, there was time involved in like getting the actual polymer plates. They're just like really large plastic templates that you send through the press. Um, so that maybe took like a week, but then it was like a solid like eight or nine hour day to do the actual um, calibrating and, and printing. Oh, wow. And then we had to let that dry and then we had to cut that um, afterwards and then for some reason I wanted bows so we had to put bows on them so it was a little bit of an arts and crafts project for yeah sure. that's even more involved than I thought it was well everybody thank you so much for listening Christy thank you for stopping in and having some uh, setting some time aside for us and uh, remember guys until next time stay nerdy stay nerdy